You're listening to Episode 6, Rescue. You're listening to This Outside Life Podcast with Lori Kaler. Here, we explore the lives of outsiders, those people who work or play in the great outdoors. At This Outside Life, we are committed to curing nature blindness and helping you step outside and step into wonder. Whether you enjoy the outdoors through backpacking or from your back porch, there's something here for you to learn and appreciate about this amazing world we all share. Today, we travel to Wisconsin. Yay, badgers! Go, Packers! I went to visit Heartland Farm Animal Sanctuary. Heartland rescues farm animals that have been abused, neglected, or just unwanted and would otherwise be put down. Sometimes the reason are physical infirmities. Sometimes it's just that someone's teacup pig suddenly got really big. Now, some of you who have grown up in rural areas might be thinking, seriously, if an animal isn't producing or living up to their role on the farm, just put them down. Which makes sense. It costs money to feed these animals and house them. Also, there are the workers and volunteers as well that serve at this place. So why rescue these animals, especially the ones that are here because of abuse or neglect? Why not just put them out of their misery? Why put all this food and time into their livelihoods? And I'll tell you why I was surprised. Because these animals provide a key role in helping children at risk thrive. They provide a safe, loving atmosphere where shell-shocked children who experience trauma themselves or abuse can find a safe, loving atmosphere to share their experiences with. They don't care that the pig doesn't understand what they're saying. They feel the freedom to open up and communicate and talk and hang out with these animals. They enjoy being a part of their care. They care about them because they identify with these animals that nobody loved, nobody wanted. These kids can relate to an animal's stories of neglect, abandonment, and abuse. They find a connection and an outlet for their emotions. I met with Jan Kors, Executive Director for Heartland, and she gave me a tour of their charming operation, where I got to meet the turkeys, the pigs, the emus, an emu is the Australian version of an ostrich, and dwarf donkeys and other sweet animals. I know you're going to enjoy this. She is such a great tour guide and explains all the benefits of this place. Be sure to check out the website, thisoutsidelife.com slash rescue because they've shared with me photos of these adorable children hugging and taking care of these animals. And it's really heartwarming. Funny, the name is Heartland and it's heartwarming. It really is. I know you're going to enjoy this heartwarming podcast. So I'm here at the Heartland Farm Sanctuary with Jen Kors. And what's your title? I'm the executive director. Okay. And so what, what does that mean? What do you do? Oh, that's a really good job. I pretty much, um, oh, how do I even say this? I, I have the big picture responsibility, but um, I try to support as much as I can um, all of the people that do the really critical work here every single day. Um, when you're caring about animals in a sanctuary type environment, there's no days off or holidays. Um, they require care 365 days of the year um, in all kinds of weather. So, and we can. We can talk about that more later, how fun it is to do an animal care shift in negative 20 degree weather. Wow. Yeah, that's right. Wisconsin, yes, minus 20. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. So how did this place get started? So it's it was started by Dana Berry. Um, she was a Wisconsin native who has um, a degree in counseling and business. And um, she wanted to do something positive in the world. So she decided um, Wisconsin being a big agriculture state, at the time had no shelter, no farm animal shelter. So she thought she thought um, she could create a place for animals to come if they had no other other home, um, similar to a dog or cat shelter just for farm animals. So is there a big need for that? Um, yes, you would be amazed. We have 113 farm animals now and we say no. Um, we have to say no because we're at capacity probably seven to ten times uh, a week and 
to calls that we get, um, and we have helped a couple of other sanctuaries start in the state. So, and we're all at capacity. So I would say yes. And I'll tell you a little bit more about the different types of animals or situations that end up um, here at Heartland. But anyway, Dana Berry, um, so she founded um, Heartland in 2009, doors opened in 2010, and at the time she just had two goats, um, Clark and Diana. And what she noticed when she was out and about um, trying to get people interested and involved was the immediate connection, especially between children and these two goats. And so the idea of, of um, animals helping children and so it's it's people helping animals animals helping people um and that that idea was born um and so we are first a farm animal shelter we provide care to um, right now over 113 rescued farm animals Um, and then we also have two animal assisted therapy programs one typically runs in the fall and it's called barn time Uh, It was designed to support children with um, cognitive disabilities. So we have some kids on the spectrum that come out and they um, engage with the animals in a supportive environment. Um, And then we also have a a program called Animal Hearts. Um, It's another animal-assisted therapy program. It's for youth or children, for kids who have experienced emotional trauma. And I'm talking some, it's gutting to read some of these kids' stories. And they come out here and they interact. There is a a curriculum that, um, a supportive curriculum that teaches them tools um, and how to cope with some of the tragedy and trauma that they've experienced. Um, And then they do it in the presence and with these animals um, who open them up. And yeah, so I've heard that animals really can make a difference to some of these kids. So what sort of things do you see happening? So two two stories I think that stick out or stand out in my mind are, um, one, there's a, a child or a girl that has, um, she's on the spectrum. Um, she's independent, but very, very quiet and um, started out coming to barn time, um, not engaged at all would stand on the peripheral peripheral edges of the group, um, wouldn't really look at people. And then Winnie, who is our 650-pound um, farm pig, um, and a side note, Winnie, we, had, we got Winnie when she um, fell off the back of a transport truck when she was weeks old, so it just happened a really friendly couple was driving behind the truck and saw this all unfold, picked her up, and Winnie got herself to us. Um, as a tiny, tiny piglet, she is now the belle of the ball. She's she is Heartland's <laughs> big, big love. Um, but uh, this girl, Bella and Winnie, just clicked. And so, um, when you're doing therapy with kids, having intrinsic motivators is incredibly helpful because it helps them progress to the next goal. What do you mean by intrinsic motivator? So an intrinsic motivator is something that's inherent in the environment where they are that you don't have to, it's not stickers and labels, but it's something that we have, we're, this environment is rich in intrinsic motivators. You mean like the animal has to be fed, the animal needs water? Well, no, just more like if I loved dogs, an intrinsic motivator for me to perform a task would be to be at a dog park if I knew I was going to get to see the dog at the end. So it's this intrinsic in that it's here in the environment. And the kids, if they know that that's where they're going to, if they can just do A, B, C, and D to get to E, which is what they're motivated by, and it's it's right here. Um, so it's just she's a motivator for, and um, she's this large animal. But um, Bella loved rubbing her belly, and she her face lit up. We heard her speak. Um, she was developing social connections with some of the facilitators um, where she was kind of not engaged originally in the group. By the time Winnie came around and it was Winnie time, um, she was very engaged. So she's here during this current session of Barn Time. It's her third. And I knew right away to put on one of our supportive um, charts for her to say first, you know, activity, then book, then goat, then Winnie. And we cross off each item. She wants to get to Winnie. Winnie. That's the intrinsic motivator. So then my other... um, really interesting story was um, this past session in spring for Animal Hearts, there was um, one girl who had experienced some pretty severe trauma 
And she was very, um, almost too cool for this place and um, really wasn't interested, didn't participate in any of the activities. I could tell just after 15 minutes, like, okay, she's going to be one we want to make sure we really support and are patient with. Well, by the second or third time, she was so drawn to some of the more cruel um, stories of the animals that are here that Mm. it was through them that this trust and this relationship formed between some of the facilitators. So by the end, she was running in to give me a big hug, but I'd like to say that was because of my skills, but it had nothing to do with me. It had to do with the fact that, you know, they're in this really safe environment. Mm. Um, And we do talk a lot about the fact that we are a sanctuary. We are a safe space. Yeah, so do you tell the kids, like, what this animal has been through? Yes. Oh, so they know, like, this animal was abused, or this, and then they find a connection point? Yes, yes, especially the trauma kids. I think they can identify um, for some of them. Some of this last group, some of them were... um, victims of abuse. Some of them were foster kids, so they can relate to the animals who have been abandoned. And then there was this one kiddo who, um, he had been kidnapped, his family, by the drug cartel and taken outside of the country, um, almost killed and ended up back. And here he is in our school system. And just to be able to provide him this opportunity. And he didn't speak at first, and we provide all the kids whiteboards, so if they're not comfortable talking, that's fine. They can write down answers or participate in a way that uh, meets them where they are. But um, this kiddo was really making peer relationships, and by the end, he had his grandmother come, and um, he was so excited to take pictures of her feeding Winnie. Again, it's Winnie, the big farm pig, an apple. And um, he loved sharing that experience with both his mother and his grandmother. And to see him just engaged with peers his age and um, to fall in love with the animals is, it's so rewarding, I know, for me to be. Yeah, you, you must just cry tears all the time when the stuff you see. You know, I'm a firm believer. There's a quote that I can't remember who said it, but Um, teaching a child not to step on a caterpillar is as valuable to the child as it is to the caterpillar. And I believe that so much. I, um, Heartland also has uh, a humane education day camp and not only do they understand that they're in a safe space, um, they get to know the campers, um, get to know the animals. They get to learn about some of the special needs that our animals have. We have four blind ducks right now, but we have other animals that have special needs. So they become aware of their body and body language and the animal's body language and how to respect boundaries and how to love someone that may look different from you. I I think it just, it's so filled. I kind of, I feel like we do healing and compassion inside the sanctuary. And then we also what would you say, grow it out, or we we also put it back out in the world so Mm -hmm. that the children that are coming here for camp are learning to be more empathetic children, which I happen to think the world needs more of. Yes, especially now. What are some misconceptions about this place? Do you think people have a sort of a stereotype of what it's about? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people, and um, I don't certainly blame them because I thought the same thing, um, or not thought thought the same thing, but I think people think of, oh, it's a petting zoo. (laughs) And I really, and I think, and I get it because there's a lot of petting zoos out there. And what I want people to understand is that we are very cognizant of what the animals want and need here. And so while we invite tours in and children in, we don't exploit them. They are here to live their best lives Mm. and we can both benefit from that, both the people and the animals, but we don't, it's it's not for show and it's not what they can provide for us. Any income that we get from the trips and tours, we put into the care of the animals in our programming. Mm-hmm. So other, you know, I think, I'm not sure if there's another perception, but I we always really try to make sure people understand that everybody is welcome here. Um, we are a sanctuary and a safe space and for anybody even if you don't think you you only like pigs but not sure about birds we invite wherever you are on 
the path to come out here and mm. experience. Um, and I, I guarantee you, you'll fall in love with an animal or two. So do you have a favorite animal here? Uh, it depends on the month. I switch all the time. Well, actually, okay. So Mick, uh, the llama, and you'll meet Mick in a second. Mm. I might always have llama food in my pocket. Um, I might not. So Mick is um, this beautiful llama, and llamas are great. They're like big, awkward guard dogs. They're beautiful, but they're very, very shy. And Mick is the shyest. He's totally emotionally unavailable, which is probably why I love him so much. He knows that every time I go out to use the porta potty, and yes, that's our glamorous restroom, I always meet him at the fence with a pocket full of food. And I know he's like, what is this lady doing? But he comes to visit me. I have not been able to like give him a scratch yet. Um, but yeah, he's my, he's these big brown eyes and these beautiful eyelashes. Um, so I love Mick, but I also love Winnie, and I love Harriet, and I love Olive. I love them all. If he, oh, and I also the Verona Eleven. They were um, a group of hens that got thrown outside of a thrown out of a car um, a couple months ago in Verona. Just a car stopped and just tossed hens out and sped off. Anyway, these are some of the most social, sweet chickens ever. And so I tried to force my husband or convince him to let me adopt. 11 chickens. It didn't go over so well. Mm. I watched a video. I don't know what it was, but it was about people and their pet chickens. And they, she would put it in the car with her, go to the grocery store. I mean, amazing. And yeah. my sister has chickens, and she tells me, they've got great personalities. They have very oh. different ones. And I, I was like, really? There's a big difference between them? But oh, absolutely. So now I will tell you that we are thoughtful about which chickens. We do have chickens that we'll bring out. In fact, we're bringing two to a blessing ceremony. I think the blessing of the animals happens this Sunday. Chickens do sometimes have their, uh, there's a book actually, All Birds Have Anxiety. So sometimes chickens do have, um, they're stressful or being outside or going on field trips is stressful. So we're always very mindful of who we take out and look for the signs of stress. Having said that, we have a couple of um, these, the Verona 11, who are the most social ladies. Um, if I tell you their names, you will think they, they sound like a gang of old ladies. It's Alice, Cheryl, Helen, um, Charlotte. Who else is there? Jamie, Ruby, um, Juanita, Ruby, Alice, Charlotte, Sassafras. Yeah, they're lovely. Anyway, when we were deciding whether or not these hens were okay to to go out on field trips we did a sample field trip here in our trailer and that's where we got to know the three Juanita Ruby and Florence's personalities so well so Florence was by far the most assertive and we were giving them sunflower seeds and we gave them some lettuce and Florence would just walk right up and pull the lettuce right out of Juanita's mouth before she even knew what's happening and Ruby is very social and curious. And so she'll come around and she just kind of sat by us and looked at us the whole time like, what's happening now? Juanita is kind of zen. She's very, she doesn't get stressed, but she's a very, she slowly will observe her surroundings and then kind of walk in slowly. Not not anxious, but just very slower. Florence was like, what's up? Where am I? Where's the food? So you really do get to know all of them. Um, and they all have such, I would say all of our animals have such distinct personalities. Um, that's something that I don't know that I would say I was surprised, but I didn't understand to the extent of they have such preferences on food, on, um, on, on some of our staff members, like Eddie the turkey loves Alicia and Sarah, and he wants to, um, beat me up every time I see him. <laughs> I, I love him. I try. I try. I'm like, Eddie, this is bad for both of us. But he's just, yeah, you know, he has his preferences. Mm. I'm not one of them. So what's a typical day like here with the animals? And- um, So it, it depends. So I, I wish I spent more time outside of my trailer. But for the animals, I would say, um, so every day, 365 days a year, um, we have a volunteer shift um, run by a staff person every morning from 9 to 12 and every afternoon from 4.30 to 7.30. We have under over 113 volunteers. I don't know if I said that, but mm-hmm. yeah, over 113 volunteers. Um, and they come in at 9 and it's kind of the morning wake up and everybody wakes up and they take everybody out of their stalls into the pasture or the pens. Everybody gets breakfast. Um their stalls get mucked. Do you think it's the fridge? But you know what? You need to feed that turkey. It's 515. 
In Jen's office, which is in a trailer, the refrigerator started making a lot of noise, and it was hard to hear over that. And then we realized we had to go feed this turkey that was on a schedule. So we left the office and went out to the barns. The animals, several of them that were blind, were herded into the barn for the evening's feedings. Here come the blind ducks. Yeah, I will tell you, our volunteers are amazing. Um, always. It's cold, it's muddy, they muck stalls. Oh, little Vincenzo. Yeah, our volunteers, this isn't just, oh, it's just hanging out with the animals for a little bit. Um, it's it's hard work taking care of all of our animals. You know, yes, I see they're all wearing sensible shoes. Yes, everybody's got mucking mucking boots. Absolutely. Um, oh, can I can I I'm, can I go shopping in your salad? Actually, oh, so you know what food here. you want so to grab? Like, yeah, because I'm gonna give. Winnie, oh wow! Look at all this food. I'm gonna give Winnie a piece here. Yeah, this is like. So this is. This is for the mini pigs. I'm gonna get a photo of this. this. Isn't that funny? So look, Michael, Zeus. So these are the goats. So they, we have volunteers that go and they pick up their day old produce and then you can see this lush variety of salads. Yeah, and great. we try to make sure our animals eat a balanced meal. Oh, she's huge. <laughs> So when I first met Jen, she told me about the star of Heartland Farm Animal Sanctuary, which is Winnie, this giant pig. I can't remember, like five, six hundred pounds. And I remember she said, oh, she fell off the back of a transport truck. And I thought, oh, yeah, OK. But I went to their website and this is the full story on Winnie, which is just so sad. She fell off the back of a livestock transport truck on an interstate on the highway in Wisconsin. She tumbled onto the highway and into the path of oncoming traffic. Bleeding and disoriented, Winnie was spotted by her rescuers. Two families stopped to help her, slowing traffic by partially blocking the lanes. But before they were able to catch her, another passerby stopped. However, this driver only had one thing in mind, getting her off the road however he could, which included trying to run her over. When that didn't work, he kicked her until she could no longer get up. He then grabbed her by the hind leg and thrust her at her rescuers. Uh, anybody that's ever owned a pet is got to be sitting here shaking their heads thinking, what kind of person does that? A helpless little animal, a baby animal. Then our good Samaritans wrapped her in a blanket and began making calls, trying to figure out where to get help. Finally, they found this shelter at Heartland. A few hours later, a team of veterinarians and technicians at the University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine attended to her. Her survival chances were slim. She appeared to have internal bleeding and organ injuries, but Winnie was a fighter. She pulled through and was sent home ahead of schedule. Home was and is today Heartland Farm Sanctuary. Staff, volunteers, and humane education campers aged 7 to 12 welcomed the injured piglet named Winnie by her rescuers. She was given emotional and physical care that she needed, and she began to thrive. Shortly after her arrival, staff, along with a volunteer professional dog trainer, began exercising her sharp piglet brain by training her to do things that would help her adapt to working closely with people. Pigs are intelligent, strong, and assertive, so Winnie was taught polite behaviors such as backing up when asked, sitting, and walking on a leash. She is currently practicing using a ramp so she can confidently walk up into a vehicle to visit the vet or go into the community, where she will demonstrate how clever and sensitive pigs are. She is eager to learn, and after a long day of running, playing, and training, she enjoys snuggling with her caretakers in her stall, where she makes soft, grunting noises with sighs of contentment. This pig is so cool. It's so huge, and yet it's the sweetest thing. And there are pictures of her on my website, thisoutsidelife.com slash rescue. You've got to see Winnie. She's just the sweetest thing. She was the tiniest little piglet when she fell off the back of a transport truck. Wow. And she's the one that the therapy kids love. Like, you agree? What, you want to show her how you say, yes, please, I want more? Uh, yeah. Nod your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any more, though. Do 
Hendrix in a second. She loves belly rubs though. Um, Beatrice, the other big farm pig over there, she was found in somebody's yard in Minneapolis digging up the garden. So the woman called the Milwaukee police, Milwaukee, or the, yeah, Milwaukee police, Milwaukee police called Milwaukee Animal Troll, Milwaukee Animal Control called Dana because they knew she had. So Dana drove to Milwaukee and um, picked up Beatrice and Maxine, her sister who has since passed away. It's okay, B is Winnie, um, when they were tiny piglets too. Aww. So Beatrice, though, we didn't socialize as much when she was young, so she's not as, like, Winnie's very social. You can feed her. You saw um, Beatrice is more a natural pig. She hasn't... Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay, Winnie. Winnie's scared of Beatrice. Beatrice. Why is Beatrice not so nice? Beatrice is a little less tolerant. It's okay, Winnie. It's her horse? Yeah. We walked into another barn that used to be the hay barn and more adorable animals. They have Cookie, the miniature dwarf horse, and this poor animal had so many serious dental issues. It had like four surgeries that uh, the doctors at the University of Wisconsin did for free, I'm pretty sure, or donations. Then they had this flock of emus. Apparently some woman had these emus and she couldn't take care of them anymore and she was going to shoot them, but she couldn't bring herself to shoot them, so they brought them here. But emus are from Australia, and they enjoy hot, dry climate. And in Wisconsin, it's about 30 degrees below zero. So they had to figure out, A, how do you take care of these animals? And B, you know, what do we do with all of them? I mean, there's like a miniature herd. The emus are also kind of cool. They make this very interesting deep drumming sound. And and they're donkeys? They're miniature donkeys, yeah. They actually had a lovely owner who just moved to Florida. Uh, and wanted a good place for... They are inseparable. They get very stressed out. When they're apart. Oh, yeah. they're so oh, cute. I didn't know there was such thing as miniature donkeys. Mm -hmm. And they're very... So the sheep is about as big as these miniature donkeys. They're like... Yep, so Three Joan actually tall. thinks she's a donkey. She hangs out with the donkey boys. They've escaped a couple of times, and Joan... Joan, you're right out there, aren't you? Are you happy to be home? What kind of sheep is Joan? She is, I think, a large Suffolk sheep. Um, we thought she was older, but it turns out I think she's only about five or six years old. So you can see she just got back from UW uh, Animal Hospital... Tuesday evening, um, we had opened up their pasture to give them a little bit more area to graze, and it turns out that Joan was eating some of the taller grass, and it slowed down her digestive system, um, so things weren't, so we weren't sure if there was an obstruction, so um, we really pride ourselves in the quality of care that we provide, so we made sure we took her in, but let's come out and see if we can see cookies. So who's Cookie? Cookies are miniature dwarf horse. There's the emus. The emus. Oh my gosh, why do you have emus? Well, that's another story. <laughs> that was actually... Um, oh, that's right. There was a big thing about emu oil a couple of years ago, so somebody probably got them for well, that. Well, no. They, this couple had them for about 30 years, and is that maybe... Yeah, and they started out, they had an emu farm, and I believe they sold them for meat. Um, but then they didn't want to care for them anymore, and they kept breaking their necks, the emu um, did, on the ice. And so um, the son called us because the, the woman was going to shoot them, and she just couldn't bring herself to do it. And so we actually said no at first because we didn't have the fencing, and we thought, uh, we have no idea how to take care of emu emus um so anyway long story short um as we tried to reach out to other sanctuaries and other networks nobody could help um and so we decided to see what we could do to help these um seven sisters thrive and so now we call this emu lane there's cookie oh what a cute little so it's a miniature dwarf, she horse. A miniature dwarf horse so anyway so back to the story about cookie so it turns out the reason she was losing all this weight 
um, was that she had huge dental issues. Um, She's a miniature horse that was born with dwarfism. So what was happening was that her teeth were growing up into her sinus cavity, making it incredibly painful to eat. The funny story about Cookie is that when she got here, um, our shelter director, Alicia, who's not here today, and Vicky took her to the dentist, and they ended up taking her in the back of um, Vicky's Toyota Corolla. So I just think it's so funny. Like, can you imagine... Oh, hello, Bird. Um, being in the car next to them at a stoplight yeah. and looking over and seeing, this is Cookie. Hi, Hi Cookie. Oh, you're so yeah. sweet. Is she not the tiniest? She's I so think she... about 116 pounds now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so she was severely underweight, and now the vet, or shortly thereafter, the vet said, you can slow down on the food. She's doing just fine. So what so did she's... he do for her teeth? Um, she's actually been to the dentist now four times. Um, they actually cut them, sawed them down so that they, and went into the, her mouth and the gum line and the jawbone. Yeah. And actually did intensive surgery. Um, it's pretty funny because now cookie loves going to the dentist and the dentist loves seeing cookie. So all of the staff get so excited when it's a cookie day. Um, and cookie, she's quite a gal. She goes to our annual gala. She doesn't mind going out on the town. She gets her hair braided. So these emus, How do you find a vet for emus? So that, that we had to go through that. Um, we actually found a wonderful vet, Dr. Mike, um, from Spartan Animal Hospital. He moved to California in June. We told him he really couldn't, but he did. Um, so look, maybe he's, a, he's in your neck of the woods now, but he was wonderful. He came out and his um, assistants learned how to kind of wrangle them and care for them and give them their um, vaccinations. Um, so we still do use um, the same hospital, um, and he has a colleague that's been wonderful and has come out. And um, but yeah, they're not. There's not a lot of people who are very familiar with emus. They're actually their species is originally from Australia, yeah. so their egg laying cycle happens in the winter. So in January is where we saw a couple of emu eggs, and they're these large, beautiful teal eggs that look like avocados. Yeah, so... Um, Does anybody... We don't do anything. No, we no. don't. We, um, they, they don't incubate because there's no one sitting on them, right? Mm-hmm. And so what we do, this sounds really bizarre, but what we do for all of our egg-laying hens, if they do lay eggs, uh, we have a volunteer that takes the eggs and scrambles them up, shells and all, and we feed them to the chickens. And I remember at first thinking, oh my gosh, but what happens is every egg-laying cycle, the hen is losing some needed nutrients. Their bodies are getting depleted. So by actually feeding them back the scrambled eggs, it's helping them regain mm-hmm. some of those nutrients. So, And they love them. <laughs> so I remember when we first got the emus, um, we had a lot of people warn us that the emus are mean birds. They're aggressive birds. And I cannot tell you how untrue this is for our seven emus. I don't know if it's because we genuinely give them a safe space to be themselves and we're not using them for anything. Um, That's that's the grunt. Now that's a grunt. So, okay, I'll tell you a funny story. That was a little bit of it. And a drum. So I was telling you that at first we didn't think we were going to be able to keep the emus because we didn't have physical space for them. And when Jamie, the assistant, um, or I'm sorry, the administrative director and I were out here trying to figure out what we could do, Alicia, the barn director, came in and said, what are you, what are you all talking about? And we said, well, we think we can figure out a way to get these emus here. And she was lamenting how hard, oh yeah, come on in. Um, how tricky it would be because we don't have the fencing and what would we do? Well, it just so happened that earlier that morning, the Madison's roller derby team had emailed me to say that we were going to be their featured charity at about in April. And so um, Alicia jokingly said, well, you need to bring the skaters out to help us build the fencing. And I all of a sudden had an amazing idea. So I had an idea to contact um, the Mad Roland Dolls and see if they wanted to come out and in return, well, come out and build the fencing. And in return, they could, we would name the seven emus after the roller derby skaters. <laughs> and thus, this is how their names are Donna Stunner, 
Goldman Smacks, Shantastic McGossum, Toast, Miss Mechanics, Crystal Ice. Who am I forgetting? Goldman Smacks, I said. Uh, Wolf Runner. Wolf Runner, yes. So there's there's seven emus with really fun hilarious. I love seeing Donna Stunner because, right? One morning, Vicky, our medical supervisor, came out and they were in a compromised position and she thought, oh, Toast, (laughs) you are not a she. So we think Toast and Wolfie, which is Wolf, Wolf Runner, are both males. Isn't she great? This interview was so much fun walking around and seeing all the animals. And if you're interested in introducing your kids to animal stories, I have a wonderful book list. We are big readers in this household, and I gave my son the gift of reading, taught him to read because I homeschooled for a while, and many of our books were animal stories. And so we read the classics like Cat in the Hat, but we also read older ones that um, have sort of gone out of favor, but they are Newbery award-winning books like Rascal. And I've put together a long list of great books to read your kids. I've got books for little young ones like Margaret Weiss Brown and Runaway Bunny, and I've got books for older kids like My Side of the Mountain and Rascal. This is a wonderful list to introduce your kids to reading. And there's some cool ones for adults, too, about people that have had pet hummingbirds or quail. And you can download it at the website, thisoutsidelife.com slash rescue. You know, one of the things I love about the animals is I think they're a really valuable reminder for all of us to stay in the present. Right? Because... They're not thinking about yesterday. Tomorrow. They're they're not thinking about tomorrow. They're thinking about what's happening right now. Usually like dinner. (laughs) So we're, we're constantly trying to, we do, we do have, we get funding from some of our programs. So camp is a program that receives funding. Um, But other than that, we're primarily public donations. We then walked from the barns back to Jen's office to finish up our discussion about life at Heartland. Can you tell me, you said where your animals come from, like how many of them are, you know, abused, how many of them are just abandoned, like they're done giving us piglets or something. And then you said there was another group. How does it break out? So we we divide them in categories. one would be rehomed, perhaps um, like the donkeys or the llamas are good ex- um, examples of that. They had a lovely life, maybe on a hobby farm, and their owners um, decided to retire to Florida. We had one, one of our hens was a beloved pet of a veteran, and when he passed away, his family rehomed the, the hen. So, so we have stories like that where they're rehomed. Um, and then another category I think about is cruelty and neglect. Um, and those are either bona fide cruelty cases, like um, the cockfighting ring I mentioned. Um, a couple of our animals are from hoarding situations. Harriet, a potbelly pig, she was kept in an isolated shed that was the door was three feet off the ground. She was fed moldy food scraps, water every couple of days and it had no windows, and she didn't have insulation. So um, this wasn't our county, but it was a neighboring county's Humane Society contacted so us. So it can get, like, 40 below zero? Oh, yeah, there. and pigs, uh, interestingly, pigs and chickens, um, we worry about them the most during the winter. Our sheep are very hardy. Our llamas are hardy. Believe it or not, the emus are very hardy. Even though they're from Australia. Yes, yes, they have, they're very, huh. they're... Thick birds, and they have a lot of feathers. But the pigs lose their um, their temperatures, um, go down very fast. So we have a lot of straw in the winter for them, and we we really truly do tuck them all in. Um, they sleep very close to each other, um, so they do all have partners. And oh, that's so cute! It is very. Oh my gosh, you should you should check us um, check out our it's like Facebook. Bedding down the piggies. Oh my goodness gracious! Yes, and tucking them in is very sweet. Winnie likes a pillow under her head. Stew. Dead serious. Dead serious. Yeah, and it was lovely doing it too. It does make you feel like you're. It's like nurturing. Um, so she's how much? How much does Winnie weigh? I mean, she must be like five hundred pounds. Yeah, she's more like six hundred and fifty. Yeah, she's a big girl. 
And yeah. she wants a pillow under her she head. She does. She does. And she loves belly scratches right before bed. In fact, she will even move over and kind of stretch up her arms so that you're really getting a, a good... And her skin is so warm and sweet. But yeah, so there's those are the the cruelty cases are are the they're really um, they're the sad cases and we're happy to help. And then I would say the the next category would be we say dumped or abandoned or stray. Um, so a lot of our birds come from that category. Zeus, one of our goats from Milwaukee, there he is. There's a picture of him. He was found on the streets of Milwaukee. And he had pneumonia and a variety of skin conditions, and it took him six rounds of antibiotics to get back to his um, majestical self. And now he is pretty much king of the mountain. Um, he he runs that pasture. He's proud of it. Um, and he still has his horns. You he sure does. Yeah, we have a number of... We have five horned goats right now. Um, but they, the campers and the kids, all do well, and they're not... Um, they just do their thing. And then, so we've got the dumped or abandoned, we've got the rehomed, and then we've got the cruelty. The other category we sort of have are, are animals who would typically end up in a production farm that ended up finding their way to us. So Winnie would be an example of that. Mm. So Winnie just happened to fall off the back of a transport truck at the right time, probably the worst day of her life, and yet the best day of her life because <laughs> she ended up getting... What a story. (laughs) Right? And really, I can't tell you, she is one of the ones that the children are so engaged with. And you saw her. She's very, um, she's got such personality. Well, I've heard pigs are really, really smart. They are. They are very smart. In fact, um, it depends which list you read. Um, They are either fourth or fifth smart. However, I'll tell you one thing, as I, I've gotten to know all of these animals, um, someone once told me a saying, it's not how smart you are, it's how you are smart. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes we want to judge dogs and cats and animals and pigs in terms of measuring them as if they're our type of intelligence. And yet, right, and they, they're smart in the way that they need to be smart to exist in the environment that they were raised to exist. So, um, but so, and... Bo and Daisy um, are two big cows. Um, They were rescued, quote-unquote. We had a a supporter who couldn't bear to see them go to auction, so she she bought them. Oh. Yeah, so she, that's how we ended up with with two calves. Um, And so they, the, the, the funny thing about Bo and Daisy, it's funny but not funny if you're caring for them, is they are now three and they think they're big puppies. So, and they both have their horns. They were never dehorned. Daisy's never had an udder. She's never been milked. She's just, but they, they think they're big puppies. So, and they're ginormous. They are large animals, but they are very licky. There was a time oh, where... they lick you a lot? Oh, they're very licky. In fact, there was a time that I was trying to take a selfie with Bo, as one would do, right? When you have this beautiful grounds. And I was like, oh, Bo, let's take a selfie. And so I had the camera up and he was behind me. And before I knew it, do you know what a wet willy is? It's when you put a tongue in your ear. It's oh, like, you, yeah. my, you know, Ew. like like your little brother used to give you a wet willy. So Bo actually gave me a wet willy in the middle of me taking a selfie. And somehow I took the picture. I think it probably just died. You're going to have to send that. No, to it's, it's, it's exactly how you thought my face would be with a big cow tongue in my ear. Yeah. Yeah. So I thanked Bo and he was like, anytime, you know, yeah. So that's it was good for me. Yeah, it's it's the antics. It's the you know nothing is ever predict- predictable here. Huh. Yeah. So what's the hardest part of your job? Um, two things come to mind instantly. One is having to say no. We, yeah. So how do you judge whether you take something someone? That's a really good question. You know, um, we want to all of us take every animal we hear mm. in. But we have a, a commitment and an ethical responsibility to the 113 residents that we care for that we are able to afford their food and their medical care. And um, we have programs we run. So as much as my heart would like to say yes, it's um, would be horribly irresponsible to the rest of the animals and kids that we serve to Mm-hmm. And I think, sadly, that's where you see a lot of hoarding situations. They genuinely start with good intentions, but they don't say that that no. And we look at physical space. 
We look at the egregiousness of the case. Um, we get countless calls of sheep being sold or baby lambs on Craigslist. Will you take this lamb? And we think, no, there's about 45 other really lovely homes that can take that lamb. However, if there's a blind lamb that has a broken leg and you know has had a, a hard life, that might be the lamb that we look at. So, um, you know, we look at a lot of, you know, where we are financially. Um, there's a lot of um, metrics that need to go into every decision like that. Mm-hmm. So that's very, very hard because truly we get, we see some of the most sad cases and we want to support them, but we, we know that we can't, we can't save the world. We can't do them all. We just do our part and we do it well. The other thing is um, just being the director there's so many initiatives and thoughts and things you want to do. And, you know, I, I frequently have to pause and take those valuable steps to ensure that we're, we're working from a solid foundation and, and we're really not taking on so much that we're going too fast. Um, so doing it slowly and doing it well. Um, it's hard though, because I think this is a magical place and we have, um, there's so many possibilities with what else we could do to support animals and people in our Dane County area as well. So I want to do all of the things, all of the things. Uh, You know, you talked earlier about, um, how kids are changed by the animals. Have you seen adults have interesting interactions with animals? Yes, for sure. Most of the time, I'd say that would happen on our public tours. So sometimes um, people will come on tours, sometimes with their family or friends. And I won't say begrudgingly, but I have seen a few like, okay, we're here. And those are the ones I think we get the most feedback from afterwards that, wow, I had no idea. This was so valuable to me. Um, I was moved by the stories. Um, I think they are the ones that are more surprised at the connections they made and love hearing the stories and love seeing the kids with the animals. And um, I I think there is a power to coming out here and experiencing it. You can tell stories and you can put up photos, but as you drive out here, you're immediately... Um, the energy is different. There is just a healing vibe. I don't mean to sound too hippy-dippy, but there's a, a really a, a wonderful vibe of healing when you come out here and you you pick that up. And I, I think the people who are kind of get dragged here begrudgingly are the ones that are like, this is great. Has it working here changed you or your perspective on life? Absolutely. On many levels, it makes me think about... Um, compassion in general and I am the mother of two children and I think my two kids are nine and eleven and I'm watching um, as they are at the helm of middle school and you start to see the social kids can be tricky it's in their dynamic I don't think it's a judgmental thing but if you can really bolster empathy and build empathy um, at young ages, I think. So it, it's as even as a parent, I'm more committed to that myself. I also, it's opened my eyes to, um, I will tell you personally, I stopped eating all animal project products. Um, there's a saying, once you know better, do better. And it's hard not to see these animals as these unique beings that surely treasure their lives. I see it in and out every day. Sometimes I I just have to ask myself, do I really need cheese on this pizza? You know, can I do it in a different way? And I will say, you know, food is important to a lot of people and it was maybe tricky at first, but I feel better. I feel like I'm adhering to my values. So So um, you're not just a vegetarian, you're a vegan, which means no cheese. That means no cheese. So I switched to all plant-based and that was just an it was a, I'm not sure that that was my intention going in here, but it was, um, for me, the happy ending because it just, it feels better. I actually feel better physically. I was, that was my next question. Well, and, so how's you know, it, how's it affected your health? Absolutely. If that's an easy, for me, it was better. Um, but also I think I've always, for myself personally, looked at the environmental impact as well. So this was kind of just, okay, it brought it all home. I looked at the environmental impact on on animal agriculture and health, you know, I'm fairly healthy, but 
you know, health has always went out there. Um, but then just getting to know them and I thought, well, I wouldn't eat my dog and cat. So how, <laughs> right. So how can like, it, it just hard, you're here all the time. I just, um, so mm-hmm. yeah, so there's that. And, um, it's really also, I probably self check a lot in terms of my own empathy towards all other people people that have different religions than I, different politics. We're in a very polarized time right now in our nation on so many different levels, and I find it easy to get right into a corner and feel like you want to judge and stay there. And I I really, I try to think of what we do here, and I really try to find common ground and try to see where's that common humanity. Because ultimately, human beings and non-human animals um, have more in common than we do different. It's just looking for it Hmm. and noticing it. Wow. Very well said. I think this place is really lucky to have you. Oh. You're just such a great advocate, and I learned so much here. Thank you for being on this outside Thank you for coming out. Thanks for visiting and for for seeing what we're all about. And may all your animals have happy long lives. Thank you. Okay, that's it for my visit with Heartland Animal Sanctuary. Actually, Farm Animal Sanctuary. If you live in Wisconsin, stop by. They've got some great programs for kids, and it's just a really educational and charming visit to walk around there. If you want to visit Heartland on the web, their address is heartlandfarmsanctuary.org. You can see photos of all their adorable animals and the kids helping them, feeding them, hugging them. It's really worth a visit. That's heartlandfarmsanctuary.org. Also, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. This really makes a difference. And as anyone who has a cat or a dog knows, they have thoughts, they have feelings. So go out and hug your pet today. So this week, after you hug your dog or your cat, don't forget to download your free book list full of great books about animals. These are wonderful books that I have personally read, like If You Give a Pig a Pancake, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie, Rascal, My Side of the Mountain, all these wonderful children's books that will just, they'll teach your kids about nature and animals, and they're fun to read as well. So check those out at thisoutsidelife.com rescue. Step outside and step into wonder and enjoy this outside life. See you next time.